Well, hello and good to see you. It is great to gather with you today and uh, welcome also to those of, uh, those of you joining us from our campuses. Well, uh, if you're new to Ada Bible, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the teaching pastors and uh, I get to lead us through the next message in this series, 10 questions that Jesus asked. And uh, I wanna start by talking about questions that have the power to change the direction of your life. And I want you to think of a, a question uh, that somebody has asked you that changed your life. So I wonder what comes to mind for you. It's possible that it's a question like this. Hey, you wanna give it a try? Hey, would you like to give it a shot? And maybe it's when you were younger and somebody handed you a baseball bat or a softball bat for the first time and you took a swing. Somebody handed you the fishing pole. You wanna try it? I handed you a camera. Would you like to try it? And that began for you a lifelong passion, a hobby, something that you still pursue to this day. There are questions that when you are asked them, they have the power to change the direction of your life. Or here's another one, question that could change your life. Hey, can I have your number? And you might be thinking, I don't think he knows how to ask that very well. Uh, listen, I'm rusty, okay? It's been a couple decades since I had to use that one. But that question can lead to a very uh, big question, which is, will you marry me? Which for some people leads to minivans and five children, but that's just my story. <laughs> there are questions that have the power to change your life. I wonder if you've ever been at work or perhaps working on a project at home or something, and somebody just goes, is there a better way to do this? And you got to thinking, and you got to innovating, and you created something. You, you created a new system, a new product, and perhaps that led you even to start a new business, and it took your career in a different direction. There are questions that people ask that have the power to change the direction of our lives. And I want to tell you that when I was in my early 20s, there was a question that I ran into that really changed my life. And it was a question actually that Jesus asked in Mark's gospel. Let me show you the question because this is the question we're gonna be spending our time with today. Jesus asked this question, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? What's the kingdom of God like? Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And so I wanna spend some time today focusing in on this question. Now, Jesus asked this question in a very interesting place. It was in a place like this. So Jesus was uh, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee teaching this crowd of people. The crowd was getting bigger. They were pressing in on him. And so he actually hops in a boat, rows out a little bit off the shore, and teaches the people from the boat. And it's from that location that Jesus asked this question, what is the kingdom of God like? Now, uh, as I mentioned, Jesus talked about the kingdom a lot. And it's very important to understanding uh, who he is and what he's inviting people into. And so, <laughs> what exactly is the kingdom of God? Well, I might define it like this. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. 
Wherever God is reigning, that is where the kingdom of God can be experienced. Okay, so what does it feel like to be part of the kingdom? What does it feel like to to bump into the kingdom of God? What, What is the kingdom of God like? And it's interesting that as much as Jesus talks about the kingdom, to my recollection, he never like just flat defines it. It's more like as you read what it's like to interact with Jesus and be around Jesus and feel the impact of Jesus, that's where we get this picture of what the kingdom of God is like. And so, so what does it feel like to be part of the kingdom? Well, in the Gospels, people experience wholeness. They experience healing. They get called into purpose. It's kind of like people flourish in the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And this was central to Jesus' teaching because he's always inviting people in to be a part of the kingdom. Now, I mentioned earlier that when I was in my early 20s, that starting to explore this idea of the kingdom of God, it really changed my life. And the reason is because growing up, my faith was really missing something. And my suspicion is that what I was missing is also true of many of us. Because for whatever reason, the way I grew up, the way I understood my faith, I might describe it kind of like this. Believe and wait. It's like at a a really young age, I put my trust in Jesus to, to save me from my sins, to rescue me so that I could spend forever with God. That, that was absolutely true. But I was just kind of waiting. My understanding of my faith was like, well, you know, I go to church, I try to be good, and then someday, someday I get to go to heaven, and that's really where I'm going to experience life. And so, in other words, my faith wasn't really impacting the here and now. To, to use the kingdom of God language, I wasn't becoming more whole. The broken parts of me were not being healed. I, I really lacked purpose and meaning. I wasn't really experiencing the kingdom. But as I began to explore this idea of the kingdom of God and the teachings of Jesus, I began to realize it, it's not believe and wait. It's something else. It's believe and participate. As in, there is a life with God to be experienced right now. That God is calling me in to participate with what he is doing in the world. God wants to do something in me, and he wants to do something through me. And I'm telling you, this understanding really began to change my life, and my faith became alive, and it became relevant to right here and right now in my life. And so my hope for today as we explore the teachings of Jesus on the kingdom of God is that you would be swept up into a greater sense of purpose that moving forward from today that you might step into kingdom life and that you might begin to experience a greater sense of wholeness and healing and purpose that you might really start to flourish. And so that's what I'm hoping for today. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time on the shoreline as Jesus teaches from the boat. He's going to give us three parables, that is, uh, stories with a teaching purpose that really illustrate how it is we can participate in the kingdom of God. 
So let's jump in. Here is how this first parable begins. Jesus out on the boat, he's teaching the crowd, and he says, a farmer went out to sow his seeds. It's a story about farming, and actually all three of these parables are about farming. And so you get this picture of this farmer throwing seeds. And uh, in this parable, I believe we're supposed to understand the farmer as God and the seeds as the word of God. And then you and I have a role in this as well. I think we are the, the ground. We are the soil that the seeds land on. So here's the parable. The farmer, he's out sowing seeds. And then we read that uh, there is four types of soil that the seed lands on. The first is the path. And on the path, the seeds just, they don't take root because it's so hard and birds come and snatch them up. And then some of the seed lands on rocky soil where the seed, it takes root, it begins to grow, but the soil's so rocky that it really can't grow deep roots, and so when the summer heat comes, the plant withers and it dies. But some of the seed falls on what's called thorny soil, which initially, it's great. The seed grows roots, it begins to grow, but then these other plants, the thorns come and they choke out the plant, and it's never really fruitful. And then we have the fourth type of soil, the good soil. The soil where the seed takes root, it grows up tall and strong, and it produces uh, a good crop. It's, it's fruitful. And so Jesus is telling a story about a farmer throwing seed, and it's kind of like, why, why does a farmer throw seed? I mean, what, what's a farmer doing? Well, he wants to grow something. He's trying to grow some food. And so I think the point of this parable about the kingdom of God is, is really around this word right here. God wants to grow something. But this is a parable. Jesus isn't given a seminar on farming or gardening. He's talking about life in the kingdom and how things grow, what, what God wants to grow in the kingdom. And in this parable, God is the one throwing the seed. The seed is his word, and we are the soil. So what does God want to grow in me? What does he want to grow in you? That's the question. And throughout the New Testament, we get over and over again this image of bearing fruit and fruitfulness and growing a good crop. It's all over the place. But what is it specifically? What is that fruit that God desires to grow in us? It's central to understanding what it means to participate in the kingdom. Well, the Apostle Paul, one of Jesus' early followers, an important leader in the first century church, he wrote a letter to believers in a region called Galatia. The letter's called Galatians. You see the connection. And he says something about fruit and fruitfulness that I think is really helpful right here. He wrote and said, but the fruit of the Spirit, that's key, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You got a bunch of characteristics here, character qualities. And who are these character qualities of? The Spirit, as in the Holy Spirit, as in God, as in God in us, the Holy Spirit. What is it that God desires to grow in us? What is the fruit? I believe it is God's character. What does God want to grow in you? He wants to grow his character in you. 
The idea is that when my kids frustrate me, which happens sometimes, that I would respond less and less with the anger of Aaron and more and more with the forbearance, the patience, and the gentleness of Jesus. God wants to grow his character in me. It's, it's like this, that as I experience the stress of life, from all the pressures of life, as I feel the stress, that I would respond less and less with the worry, with the control of Aaron, and more and more with the joy, with the self-control of Jesus. God wants to grow his character in me. That as I see a need among my neighborhood, that, that one of my neighbors has something going on that they could really use help with, that I would respond less and less with the selfishness, the self-centeredness of Aaron. I don't really have time. I don't really know them. I don't really like them. And more and more with the kindness and the goodness of Jesus. God wants to grow his character in me. And my friends, this is foundational to understanding what it means to participate with God in the kingdom of God. Why? Because as he grows his character in me, I am going to experience more and more wholeness and healing and peace, purpose, I am going to be flourishing as a person. And not only that, but my kids are going to experience that. They're going to get a taste of the kingdom of God because God is growing his character in me. And my neighbors are going to get a taste. My coworkers, just a little bit of an experience of what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. God wants to grow his character in us so that we might experience the kind of life he desires and the people around us might experience it as well. But there's something that gets in the way of this. There's something that we do that doesn't participate in this work that God wants to do in us. And it has to do, again, with this parable that Jesus is sharing. It has to do with the soils. Because if there's four soils, three of them, aren't very productive. And again, the soil is us, it's our hearts. And so I wanna walk you back through each of these soils, listening to how Jesus described them. And as we do this, I want you to ask the question, which of these three soils really describes where I'm at right now, the, the, the space of my heart right now? So these three soils, Jesus says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. That's the path. Others, like seed sown among rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's the rocky soil. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
So four images here. You got the path, you got the rocky soil, you got the thorns, and you have the good soil. Which of these just you go, yeah, that's just me right now. That's just me. Maybe you got something going on in your life that's just really hard right now. Relationally, health-wise, just something that's really hard and you're just, life is so difficult right now, I'm just really having trouble hearing the voice of God. Maybe it's here. I mean, if I could summarize the thorns, it's just distractions. Worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things. In other words, what it's like to live in American culture. <laughs> Maybe that's you. And the question is, how do you get back here? How do you get back to that space where your heart is open to the movement of God? Because he wants to grow his character in us so that we might experience the kind of life he desires for us. How do you get back there? I think Jesus tells us as he describes this soil. He says, others, like seed sown on good soil, here we go, hear the word and accept it. And they produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Huge crop. How? Because they hear the word and they accept it. They hear the word and they accept it. My words, they, we listen to the voice of God and we respond to it. That's how you get your heart back into good soil. And you're going, it's, it's not that simple, is it? I think it is. It's just really hard. <laughs> It's that simple. Listen to the voice of God and respond to it. And I just believe that if you do that today, and then if you do that tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day after that, God is going to grow something in you. He's going to grow his character in you, and you will begin to experience kingdom life, that flourishing life. It's really that simple, but it's actually pretty hard. I don't believe that spiritual growth is usually these big, crazy moments. I think it's, if I could take a, pa a page out of Pastor Jeff's language, slow and steady faithfulness. Listen and respond. That's how we get back into the good soil. So let me challenge you to do something this week. I got a list of things right here, just three things. I want to challenge you this week to listen, respond, and tell. Create space in your life every day to listen to the voice of God. Opening the scriptures yourselves. Maybe, maybe you listen to a Bible app as you get ready uh, in the morning or drive to work. Maybe you use the Beyond the Weekend resource. But listen every day and then respond to one thing that you read. I, I'm going to journal about this. I'm, I'm going to spend some time thinking about this. No, there is something I need to do today based on what I read. Listen, respond, and then tell. Why do you need to tell? Because if you don't tell somebody, you're not actually going to do this. <laughs> it's called accountability. And so I'm talking about, hey, reaching out to your friend. Hey, I'm going to do this thing, and I want you to know about it. Or maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your small group. Hey, start a group chat. We're doing this thing. Respond with what you're going to listen to and how you're going to respond. I just believe if we make this a practice every day this week, and then hopefully extend it into the next week, this will keep our hearts in good space to receive what God wants to do. And I believe this is so important because God's character growing in us is necessary for what else God desires to do. Because he wants to do something in us and he wants to do something through us. 
Participating in the kingdom looks like that work of him doing something in us and through us. So what is it that he wants to do through us? Let's jump into the second parable. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. And you're going like, wait, is he repeating himself? No. He's still in the boat. He's telling a second parable. And in this one, I want you to to flip the characters a little bit. I, I think the man scattering seed on the ground is you. And it's me. We're the ones scattering seed in this parable. He goes on. Night and day, whether he sleeps, that's the farmer, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. And though he does not know how. And it's just a lesson about how things grow in the kingdom. We scatter the seeds and God is the one who makes it grow. Here we go, last one. All by itself, he's reiterating this point. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The idea here, again, we are the ones scattering the seed. The seed is the word of God, and God is the one who makes it grow. And I think the challenge here, or the invitation here, is that God has something for us to be participating in, in the kingdom. And in the word I want to use here is this right here, to share, to scatter seed, to share the word of God that we might share God's truth with other people, that we might share the gospel of Jesus, that he gave his life to rescue people and, and restore them to relationship with himself, that we might share God's word with the people around us. And this, I find this so compelling and so exciting because what this means is that by sharing God's word with other people, they might experience kingdom life. Because when a person places their faith in Jesus and begins to follow after him, they're invited into this kind of life where Jesus is bringing wholeness and peace and healing and purpose. And, and that, this means that we get to participate with God in this. And so I wonder if you've ever had the joy of sharing God's word with someone and seeing that seed take root in their life and grow into faith. I mean, this is why, those of us who are parents, this is why we read Bible stories to our kids at bedtime, right? This is why you rearranged your summer vacation schedule so that you could get your kids to, to Camp DV, our children's ministry camp, or to serve GR for our middle school and high school students because you want to share God's word so that that might take root in the hearts of your kids and produce faith. You want to be a part of that. This is why many of you attend more than one weekend service at Ada Bible Church. And it's not because the first service, the sermon was so amazing that you've gotta come back and hear it again. That's not it, unfortunately. Uh, No, it's because you attend one service and then you serve at another. Because you wanna invest in the children, you wanna invest in the people of this church, that they might, that you wanna scatter these seeds and share that that faith might take root. And this is why 
that after a long day of work at the office, you come back home and you're tired and really you'd rather just sit in front of the TV, but, but you make your way over to the fence, the fence that divides your yard from his, for a conversation because you want to connect and you want to build a relationship and you're hoping that someday, someday you might be able to have a conversation with your neighbors about Jesus, about your faith, because you want them to experience life in the kingdom. We have this privilege, this calling of sharing God's word with others. So how's that going? Like the scattering seed, the sharing God's word. How is that working out in your life? I'm guessing that you're a little frustrated and maybe a little discouraged. I mean, (laughs) with your neighbor, the conversation at the fence. It's like, wow, anytime we talk about football or the lawn, like, it's great. And then anytime I get even close to bringing up church or Jesus, it's like, well, got to get the grill started. Well, got to water the lawn. Well, you know, and then boom, they're gone. It's not really working. <laughs> yeah, that Lifeline small group, the teenage, uh, teenagers, I lead their small group on Sunday nights. Like, uh, how's, how's that going? Well, um, have you heard that expression, herding cats? And it's kind of like anytime I, I try to share what's going on in my faith, it's like I talk and they stare. <laughs> it's like, so what do you guys think about, you know, what I shared? Cricket, cricket. I don't know if it's working. Uh, how about with your kids? Well, uh, have you ever tried to read a Bible story to a toddler who has their fingers in their ears screaming, I'm not going to bed? I'm just not really sure it's taking root. Or maybe you got a teenager who's close to graduation and you're just going, I'm not seeing a lot of spiritual life signs. And you're scared, you're nervous about their future. Look, I would imagine that many of us are discouraged about sharing God's truth because we don't feel like we're doing very good at it and we're not seeing a lot of fruitfulness from it. And so... I just want to show you again this parable of Jesus. I think there's something so helpful here about who makes the seeds grow. Back to the parable. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, whether he's out sweating in the field or taking a nap, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how, again, all by itself the soil produces grain. Who is making the seed grow? Not the farmer. Only God can make it grow. And maybe you just need to say that to yourself. Only God can make it grow. Listen, I've brought this up before, and I I just think it's so important to return to this idea because when we get confused about what is our job and what's our own God's job, we can get so discouraged in the work that God is calling us to. So let me remind you that when it comes to your kids, it's your job to model faith for them. It's your job to teach them the way of Jesus and invite them into it. But whether or not your children choose to follow Jesus for themselves, that's not your job. With your friends, with your coworkers, with your teammates, it is your job 
to invite them to believe and to trust Jesus. But whether or not they ever choose that for themselves, that's not your job. That small group that you're a part of, it's your job to encourage, to challenge, to listen, to hold accountable, but whether or not that person chooses to make the right God-honoring decision with their life, that is not your job. And I think for some of us, we just need to hear this reminder, be faithful to the work that God has given to you and release back to him his job. Because if you try to hold on to his job, you are gonna be so discouraged. Remember what's your job and what's his job. And maybe for some of us, this is just a reminder, a challenge to to really lean into what is our job. But also, you are not responsible for the decisions of your kids, for your friends, and for your coworkers. That's God's job. But as we talk about this idea of sharing God's truth and what's our job and what's God's job, you might just be going, okay, what about the people in my life that are just totally resistant, who are just opposed to the things of God? What about my sister-in-law who's an atheist? What about this coworker I have who believes every Christian is their enemy? And, And what about my adult son who has rejected the faith that I tried to pass on to him? How do we participate in the kingdom with individuals like that? Jesus has something important to say to us in this third parable. From the boat, again, Jesus, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable, what story with a teaching purpose, shall we use to describe it? He says, it is like a mustard seed, which is the tiniest of all the seeds on earth. And he goes on, yet yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Jesus gives this parable. This is not a story about trees. It's a story about the kingdom of God of how the kingdom of God is like this tiny little seed and grows up into something huge. And so there's the obvious meaning of this parable, that the, that the um, work of Jesus, the community of Jesus, started out as this little group of nobody disciples in this backwater region of the Roman Empire and exploded into this worldwide movement where, boom, here we are in church in North America, tiny to huge. That is true. That's a right way to understand this parable. But I think Jesus is also trying to communicate something deeper. And I think it has to do with this last line. Branches, a tree with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. Something to do with this idea of shade. Now, I mentioned a practice, a strategy that I use when studying the scriptures a couple weeks ago. And it's to ask the question, where else does this show up? Where else is this word? Where else does this phrase show up in the scriptures? Because it can help us understand what's going on. And listen, you don't need a Bible degree to do this. You don't need to understand ancient Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament. All you need is the internet, okay? So uh, Bible Gateway, YouVersion Bible, these different uh, Bible apps and online tools. Uh, So here is a search engine. I know you know how to use that for Bible Gateway. And here's what I did. 
I put the word shade from that parable that Jesus is telling in that, and then, you know, boop, push the button, and you get all these results. And so I, I just went through, I read some of these to see what kind of connections there are, and Ezekiel 17. Ezekiel was a prophet of Israel, and his job was to call Israel back to faithfulness and to warn them that God would punish them if they remained unfaithful. And he gives this message to Israel about how they're going to be uh, uprooted, they're going to be exiled, but that God is going to create this remnant, a new people out of them. He gives this image of a cedar tree. It's going to be uprooted from the land, but God's going to take the top of the tree, the shoot from the tree, and replant it. And I want you to see specifically what he writes. He says this, On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it, the, the shoot from the tree, and it will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar and here we go, same language that Jesus used. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. You see, I think there's something incredibly important in this idea of the kingdom of God that has to do, here's the word, with shade. And I'm not talking about throwing shade, okay? That's not it. Uh, I'm talking about offering shade. There's something so important about shade. And always, throughout the history of the Bible, God has called his people to offer shade to people in need. So what's the big deal about shade? Well, first off, in ancient Israel, or in modern-day Israel, it is hot. It is so hot. Let me explain. So back in May... I had an opportunity to travel to Israel. I spent two weeks there studying the scriptures, uh, experiencing the land and the culture of Israel. And it was action-packed. I mean, every day we were going to three, four, five different sites and experiencing teaching, always moving. I was exhausted. And so halfway through the trip, they gave us a, a day off, a, a Sabbath, which is a very Jewish thing to do. And so we're, we're on this Sabbath day, and we're staying in a hotel right on the Sea of Galilee. It was awesome. And the whole time I was in Israel, I was sort of freaking out because I, I just kept thinking, I am walking around where Jesus actually was. And so I was trying to take full advantage of this experience. So here I am, Sabbath day on the Sea of Galilee, and I got this crazy idea. I thought, wouldn't it be awesome to ride a bike around the entire Sea of Galilee. That would be awesome. And I, so I grabbed my friend that I was traveling with and we, grabbed, we rented a couple bikes from the hotel and we took off around the Sea of Galilee. Now this was not entirely insane because I do ride bikes, okay? I have a bike, I do this. And so we took off around the Sea of Galilee and I gotta tell you, we didn't make it for two reasons. Okay, the first one had to do with the bikes we rented, all right? These were not high performance. <laughs> cycles. This is like the one gear kind, you know? So that didn't help. And here's the other reason we didn't make it. Actual footage from Aaron's phone. It was 108 degrees in May in Israel. It was so hot. We got about 10 miles and I was like, dude, we got to turn around or something bad is going to happen. So we headed back around, headed back toward the hotel. And I'm telling you, every spot where there was shade, we stopped got off the bike and drank some water because it was like 20 degrees cooler in the shade. And if it wasn't for that shade, it wasn't good situation. But hey, I'm alive and everything's fine. But I tell you this story because in Israel, it is hot. 
And God's people have always been called to offer shade to the people around them because it is hot out there. And now I'm not talking about Israel, I'm talking about life. I'm talking about life, and there are people in your life who are hurting, who are beat up, who are carrying a weight because it is hot out there, and you and I are called to offer shade, to offer shelter, rest, and peace, and shelter, particularly to people who are far from God. How do I engage the people in my life they want, have, they want nothing to do with God. They're, they're opposed to God. They're living their lives in a completely different direction. How am, I, how am I supposed to share with them? Offer them shade. Offer them the kind of friendship that brings rest and peace and shelter because life can be oppressively hot. And I think this is so important because when we do this, when, when we have relationships with people this way, they get to experience a little bit of the kingdom, a little bit of peace, a little bit of healing, a little bit of shelter. And in that experience, they might become thirsty, hungry for more. And this is exactly how Jesus lived his life. Somehow, and this is the invitation, somehow Jesus was able to attract people that were far from him while holding to the truth. And I think that's exactly what we're called to do. And so I would encourage you, I would challenge you, the people in your life who are far from God, resistant, move toward them relationally and offer them shade and shelter and peace, a little taste of the kingdom of God. So let me wrap up where we started. There are questions that have the power to change the direction of your life. Hey, do you wanna give it a shot? You wanna try it? Could I have your number? There are questions that have the power to change our life. And for me, one of those questions was about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? And as I explored this, I recognized it's not believe and wait. There's so much more to be experienced in our faith. It's really about believing and participating. God has some incredible things he wants to do in you and through you as you participate in his work. And so my hope for you this week is that you would experience a greater sense of life and purpose and flourishing than you ever have as you open yourself up to what God desires to do in and through you as you participate in the kingdom of God here and now. And so, gracious God, as we close our time in your word, God, we're just incredibly grateful that you have given us your truth and you have called us into life with you. And God, I just, I want to participate with what you are doing. God, open us up to your movement in our hearts. God, we want to experience wholeness in you, life in you. And God, for those of us who find ourselves in just difficult soil right now, would you meet us in those spaces? 
Would you care for us and would you draw our hearts back to you? God, we're grateful for who you are. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. Just incredible privilege to open the scriptures with you. Looking forward to next weekend. We'll see you next time.